Hey, podcast friends, Jason here. This is a special episode of the South Bend City Church podcast uh, that I recorded in Belfast, Northern Ireland last week. Uh, I was over there spending some time with a beautiful community called Redeemer Central Church. It's a church in the heart of the Cathedral Quarter that I've been getting to know over the past couple of years. Uh, Dave Armstrong is their team leader, and he and his wife, Beth, have become dear friends. And since we can't take every one of you over there, I asked Dave if he would sit down with me for a conversation before I came home. So you're going to get to hear about the story of their city and their church, and I can't wait for you to get to know them a little bit. So here it is. Right, okay, here we go. <laughs> Good reset. Yeah. Um, hey, we're at the kitchen table of Dave and Beth Armstrong. East Na or East Nashville. Uh, East Belfast, would you call this East Belfast? East Belfast, yeah. Well, um, uh, East, South, East Belfast, yeah, technically, okay. but yeah. Um, East Belfast, they say East Belfast is where um, the wise men come from because it's from the East. <laughs> it, it, genu it genuinely is a colloquialism here. Oh, yeah. gosh. Do you live up to that? Uh, I don't think so. We'll find out we'll find the rest out. of this yeah. podcast, I think. Uh, man, I feel, like, um, I feel like at least five times on this trip, you and I have been asked how we know each other. Yep. So we should probably give a shout out to Luke Norsworthy because he's really needy like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, Luke is the matchmaker here. Yeah. yeah. It's all through Luke Norsworthy um, and his... His podcast, um, I think he had you on as a guest about yeah. two, two and a half years ago. Um, and yeah, so I'm a big podcast fan. I was listening to Luke's po uh, podcast and came across this um, uh, guy called Jason Miller, who was planting a church in um, a place with a really strange name in the, in the United States of America <laughs> that I, uh, I've since learned uh, all about. But um, yeah, when you were uh, getting an interview with Luke, I just felt like, uh, yeah, some of the stuff you were talking about resonated with me hmm. and um f uh, i think particularly because it because of maybe some of the things that myself and and the team um, at our church and redeemer and um, we're trying to do i felt like um maybe you were doing the same kind of thing or thinking in similar ways and it just was great so i, I reached out um online and fired you an email and then yeah. you you didn't ignore it you didn't put it in the junk mail you actually wrote back and said yeah come on out to south bend we can hang out and get to know each other so i suppose technically we're pen pals yeah or something digital, digital pen, pals. pen pals yeah we met online that's basically and video chat pals and video chat pals yeah, yeah and then we became real flesh and blood buddies yes indeed yeah you got to experience georgia and notre dame a game whose outcome we will not discuss. This is uh, September, a year and a half ago, right? Yeah, and I was totally ignorant to college football. And <laughs> um, Jason and some some friends, I think, if I remember right. Yeah, Annie, we had Annie Downs. There. Like she sat beside me and explained all the rules of <laughs> yeah. American football. Shout to out me. Annie Downs for uh, teaching some American football to Dave. Yeah, and um, Jason, um, like the servant-hearted leader that he is, actually gave me his ticket and stayed at home the problem and I got to experience this like historic football game and Jason I think went home and I don't know what you drank I think I took a nap took a nap yeah the, the problem spent is spent some time this is an awkward moment for me because if I want to be if I want to be honest I'll say one thing but if I don't want to lose the respect of my home constituency I have to yeah. say another thing but the truth is I I love Notre Dame I love Notre Dame football I just don't really care about sitting in the stadium <laughs> so I was like you 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 go in there and I'll Go spread out on the couch and enjoy, like, you know, yep. the home viewing have I, experience. Have I, have I shared a secret that what shouldn't have been shared there? <laughs> I don't know if it's... <laughs> that I you know, weren't just, there that night? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I... You were there in spirit. I was there in spirit. I was there for yeah. the tailgate. I was there up yeah. until game time, and then I went home, and you guys had a good time. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. Um, no, it truly was. It was great to be out there, and great to... Genuinely great to experience the football, and 
but most importantly get to know you get to know um, some of your friends and also just get to appear into this mm. beautiful church community of south bend city church and and learn a lot more about south bend as a city as well it was it was a great trip really enjoyed it my favorite part of that trip uh or the, my favorite part of that saturday I, i've already told the story here but like uh when I take it to Notre Dame. So uh, listener friends, I was so excited to take my friend Dave to Notre Dame for a football game. And in my head, I was thinking, Irish, this is great, right? And then we get to campus and I look around and I realize there are thousands of drunk idiots impersonating terrible caricatures of Irish culture everywhere I look. And so we're walking around and I'm super embarrassed. And um, a very loud, drunk dude in an Irish leprechaun costume walks right in front of us. And I apologize to you. Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I said, yeah, that looks pretty normal to me. <laughs> pretty Irish. Yeah. yeah, pretty Irish to me. Um, yeah. Well, you're a good sport. I appreciate Swearing, that. drinking, and fighting on the street. You yeah, know? pretty Irish. Yeah. Totally. Well, um, why don't we... Uh, sorry, I'm just making... I'm fixing one thing on my computer here real quick. Uh, so we're talking about Belfast a little bit here. Um, and the church that you're a part of. Maybe we could back up a little bit and give some context for Belfast for people who don't live here. Um, Belfast is like a pretty particular place with a with a long story behind it. Uh, yep. Yeah, and I think that's a story. You and I have talked. Um, we have an era here of real conflict that um, the story of that conflict has been told in a lot of different ways. Mm. Um, but I'm just going to ask you to kind of definitively give the official version of that story <laughs> in, in a few minutes or less. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, okay. People can like look up Wikipedia afterwards yeah, yeah, and yeah. find out. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I, I love Belfast. Um, uh, I was brought up um, just 10 miles just outside the city. Um, both my parents are from Belfast. Um, my dad's from the east. My mom's from the west. And... Um, uh, yeah, so like Belfast, it's really close. It's felt like home my whole life, and now I like I'm living here um, with my wife, and we're part of a church community in the in the city. But the city we love, we love it. Um, it's really a city that's um, coming to life in these days. But that hasn't always been the case. You know, there's it's a city with a with a um, a painful past, particularly the recent history here. Um, um, it's a city, it's the capital city of Northern Ireland, and um, Northern Ireland. Um, being part of the UK, um, has experienced just a lot of a lot of violence and a lot of division, particularly in the last hundred years. But re- most recently, you know, um, from the sixties and seventies, the troubles, and um, that's really like a, um, it's really just it's really just down to a, a conflict of, of different identities, you know, and people who identify in different ways, and um, whether they want to remain part of. Great Britain, United Kingdom, where they want to, they feel they identify as Irish and want to remain um, of Northern Ireland to be part of a united Ireland. Uh, um, and that's always, it's often been defined as you know, like a Protestant versus a Catholic um, conflict, but it's much more nuanced than that. It's There's um, like, like, like political um, division there or um, political perspectives on that. And um, so that, that result, that's resulted in like effectively like a civil, a civil war for the last for the last 30 years until 1998 when there was a peace agreement that was struck up between both sides of the community and the political leaders got in a room and decided enough was enough and since 1998 um good friday and it's called the good friday agreement we've been living in this um era of relative peace and so myself i've really known mostly peace and grown up in a Mm. uh, northern ireland that's trying to get back to its feet 
after many years of being on its knees and, and, and Belfast, the capital city, being a city that was often um, not a lot going on, now is beginning to flourish and thrive. And um, So it's a great place to live and work, but um, yeah. Yeah, it has that story um, that still um, provides a lot of a lot of interesting questions and uncertainty for the future and all sorts, but um, yeah. Um. Yeah, so, uh, so 98 is the agreement and leading up to that point where like 3,600 people lost their life in this conflict or something, something like that, is that right? Yeah, um, yeah, 3,600 people um, lost their lives, uh, or lost their lives um, through, through, the, through the conflict of the, of the troubles. Um, and a lot of those people were innocent victims, um, simply killed because they were either Protestant or they were Catholic, yeah. um, which um, is incredibly sad. And um, to this day, we, um, I think, as a as a nation, as a as a as a as a group of people, um, sharing this piece of land, um, are still figuring out ways to deal with that past. Um, um, was most of that loss in the city of Belfast? I gather Belfast was where a lot of that was concentrated? Uh, yeah, it would have been concentrated a lot in Belfast, um, but the Troubles was province-wide, right across um, Northern Ireland. Um, but yeah, uh, mostly concentrated in Belfast. And mm-hmm. Belfast is like a patchwork quilt, you know, of different communities. Um, and so um, people, um, Protestants or, or Catholics, are living alongside one another. And for the... Um, you know, for the, for the most part today, that's 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 great. But obviously, during the troubles, that was difficult. And so, even to just keep um, a sense of relative peace, there were actually walls built in the city to sort of separate those communities at times to to protect those communities essentially from one another. Um, uh, because daily, I think there was a stat I heard that said there was not one day, um, every day in the year, there was some kind of tragedy someone was murdered in the troubles like every day there's a there's a is an anniversary of someone who lost their life in the troubles um and so yeah every day it would have been a daily occurrence i suppose to have heard of bomb scares or bombs going off or 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 different killings or and again this is not something i personally lived through like i um i'm 34 uh, years old and so I remember um, the, to the latter end of the, the troubles but as a young child but really um, the, the worst part of that was before I was an adult and so I have um, a little bit of memory but not a lot Yeah. Um, but obviously my parents grew up in a very different Belfast to the one I'm growing up in today Yeah. I gather, um, I gather one of the sort of maybe characters or sort of misinterpretations of that conflict is the way that the religious identities are involved, right? Like, I, I think maybe some people from other places think that it's Catholics and Protestants fighting over re- religion, um, but it's true, right, that in a lot of ways, those are political identities, that there's like a historical reason the Republican or nationalist people are Catholic and loyalist or unionist people are Protestant, but it's probably less about fighting over like faith or doctrine and more about something besides that. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, um, I suppose the, 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 I remember like the, the late writer Christopher Hitchens telling a story, which is sort of witty, but has a deeper meaning to it of, um, being in Belfast and maybe, maybe being stopped at a, at a checkpoint, 
you know, maybe buy, buy a gunman and um, wind the window down and the gunman asked, are you a Protestant or are you a Catholic? And um, Christopher Hitchens said, turned to him and said, I'm neither, I'm actually a, an atheist. And the gunman turned and said, I don't care whether you believe in God, I want to know, are you a Protestant atheist <laughs> or a Catholic atheist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sort of... Um, sort of speaks to the reality of just cultural um identity really um to be i suppose culturally catholic or culturally protestant um roughly aligned i suppose a lot of the time with maybe a particular um political perspective or but it's not quite it's really not as simple as that you know um it's uh it's just sort of a mixture a fusion of identities and politics and and religion is in there too and it's uh, at the root of it but effectively it's it's, it's a there's, there's sort of a sectarianism at the root of it all mm-hmm. um just uh, an inability to i suppose live with people that are different from you you know and um yeah 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 uh so uh so into that context um not the troubles per se but the, with that history behind belfast comes redeemer central church Yep. Yeah, give us a little bit of the early days. How did this church come together and how did you come to be part of it? Yeah, well, there's a big um, big bit of time passes um, um, since the, the Good Friday Agreement and, and Belfast getting back on its feet as a, as a you know flourishing city. Um, and uh, I grew up, in, as I was saying, in that city and continue to do so. But um, my own personal journey, I found myself to this new um, church plant. I was raised... Uh, um, in the Christian faith by my parents um, uh, from a Protestant background um, and had various different church experiences um, but finally found myself um, really getting involved in starting a new church and I suppose the, the first few people that gathered around that idea in around 2010, um, about nine, ten years ago um, were really just like asking the question of what it might look like to begin a new church um, in Belfast in 2010, it was as simple as that. What might it look like to to dream about what an expression of faith community would look like now? And um, Redeemer Central began began in a living room and moved on to some pizza shops, moved yeah. on to some um, music venues, met in some pubs and nightclubs and restaurants and cafes, and eventually found our way um, to Donegal Street where we are today. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to get to the the building because I think that's pretty special. But um, before we get there, um, you were, you were kind of there from the beginning, I think, right? Like you kind of found this tribe pretty early in its history. Yeah, um, I think the the church had only just really began gathering very simply and um, in homes and um, sharing meals around the table. And um, a friend of mine um, invited me along um, to one of the first gatherings. Um, I remember it was in. In a living room, there was some meal being meal being shared, and I, I was I walked in looking for, I suppose, some some kind of new community to, to belong to. I was excited about that, and um, yeah, so it was really yeah. just simply through like an invite from a friend, but yeah. really early on. Yeah, um, so you've sort of been a part of this for a a, a journey like uh, from homes to restaurants to one on one Street. Uh, but also like a theological journey. Um, yeah. Be cool if we kind of like map that a little bit, because I think it's really fascinating. Sure. Just the trajectory of Redeemer. Um, and like the way like an outsider like me first processed it is when you told me about some of the guest speakers that you guys brought in over the course of a few years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, 
how how long ago is Mark Driscoll coming to speak at our, in this area that you guys kind of helped bring him out, right? Yeah, yeah. Mark came out, um, I think it was 2011. Yeah, okay. 2011, 2012, yeah. I think, if I remember that right. It's pretty early for the church. Yeah, it was early on. You know, we'd, it was, um, we'd, we'd, we'd been gathering like a... Um, the community had formed, but I remember we, we held a conference alongside uh, the network that we come from um, in St. Anne's Cathedral and, and Mark came out. Mark was obviously really um, at the height of his teaching gift and his message was spreading around the world and we, we invited him out to hang out in Belfast and teach, teach into church planting and apostolic mission and all that. Yeah, so um, uh, fast forward how long and a guy named Rob Bell comes to town. Yeah, Rob did a Rob did one of his events, I think, in our building around 2016, if I'm right. Yeah. So, I think within five or six years um, of Mark being there. So not not to get too like inside baseball because that'll be annoying uh, for people who don't really care about like names and theologies, right? Um, but like people who know those names will probably maybe be a little surprised to hear about like both of them yeah. sort of coming in to the same sort of thing, right? Um, if people want to like map things, you might call Mark sort of neo reform, mm. right? Does that sound fair to you? Yeah, yeah. What would you call Rob, or at least what would you call the where Rob was at then, or how he was communicating? Uh, I guess, I guess, um, the post love wins, Rob Bell. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Okay. Um, Rob was wonderful and charming, and his his event was great when he came over. But I don't know how would you describe him? Yeah. Um, I mean transparently right like like I, i'm a guy who finds rob's work really compelling yep and found and continues to find the, the kind of theological perspective that a guy like driscoll's coming from i just like i'm definitely not there yep and like i, I probably think there's some real problems with that but just to be sort of respectful about it yeah like those are very like different perspectives yeah totally the two guys from the two different mars hills yeah different times yeah yeah so that's just a little a couple of headlines yeah how would you describe the journey underneath that that your church was on from its sort of founding days until well i mean really even until now like, how would you sort of tell that story yeah i think um i mean early on i mean i, I suppose um you know, Redeemer was planted out of a, uh, from a network, a brilliant network in, based in the south of England called New Frontiers, which is a um, church planting network, church network, and still have many uh, really good friends in that network. Um, but I suppose our background was was really um, like more reformed and charismatic. Um, and uh, I suppose along the way, um, the, the the theology just evolved um, a little bit, you know, our thinking around some different issues evolved and our thinking around um, how we might shape community, how we might practice church um, community um, changed. And so like, like any infant who's growing up, I suppose there are these like early days when um, you're walking and you need the support of others and you're finding who you are and what you think about the world and all of that. I feel like as a church community, we were a little bit like that. You know, we were trying to figure it out as we grew up, you know, on the job. And um, that was really, really exciting. It was also really challenging as well. Um, but those early days were really great. And yeah, I think we've just found, uh, tried to find a little path, um, uh, a little space, I suppose, even as well that Redeemer can occupy that um, tries to be a place that, um, or 
everyone is welcome you know we can find the home um uh yeah so um how, the, how, sorry how much of that um well so like so for me like i'm a person who um i would like to think that i always understood the importance of um say a conversation around racial justice mm. in light of um who jesus is in light of the gospel i but the but the truth is my context has forced me to wake up and grow up a little bit in that yep. in a way that it could have probably stayed a little more theoretical for me. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm wondering like for you guys, like do you think your con like being where you are in Belfast, was that any factor in that evolution for your community? Not, not around racial justice per se, but just whatever was evolving at re for the redeemer community. How much did the context that you're in have a part to play in that? Yeah, I think it had. Uh, I think it had a big, con uh, a big part to play because um, I suppose um, on the whole, like Northern Ireland and, and Belfast is a fairly conservative place, and within that, expressions of the Christian faith are are largely conservative. Um, and uh, um, sometimes um, the the type of theology that informs churches and how they practice their ecclesiology is um, perhaps been to put some down some harder lines. To, to maybe put up some some boundaries or conditions upon what it means to belong to a church or to be part of a church or whether that is like um, some kind of cerebral um, ascent um, uh, belief system or um, uh, something like that. Um, and I suppose we, we felt like we wanted to try and form a community that um, maybe gathered less around having all of our beliefs like written down and in doctrine and our T's crossed and our I's dotted and more perhaps the, around the idea of like um, practicing our faith. Um, there's a there's an analogy I suppose of um, uh, cattle farming or farming I suppose in general but um, if you were in Ireland and you were farming cattle um, you generally you would you'd have a field and then you would have a you would put up a fence because you wouldn't want the cattle to leave the field. It keeps them keeps them in the field. But in in Australia, um, if you're like farming cattle, you're farming cattle over just vast vast areas of land, and it wouldn't be like economically possible even to like put up a, f a fence. Never mind even physically possible, perhaps. And farmers there, um, so I've heard they the solution to that is that instead of putting up a fence, they actually dig a well. Um, and so what they find is that the cattle never really stray too far from the well because the well is the source of life. And so for us, we, f we, we felt like um, just in, in having a community, what would it look like to um, not put up fences or boundaries, um, but to invite everyone to say, you're all welcome in this community, um, but to dig a well and that well being... Christ, the person of Jesus, as the perfect image of the divine, as the the perfect image of God, um, that Jesus Himself is perfect theology, um, and encountering Jesus and relationship with Jesus is right at the center of of everything. And if there's like life there, then people would be would not want to stray too far from a place where there's life, right? So we felt like um, yeah, that felt like a really helpful metaphor when we when it when it came to actually practicing church community and what it meant to, to do church now and so that's been really helpful for us yeah 
I don't, I don't know that I've heard you say that before. That's, I love that, man. That's like, um, like centered set versus bounded set. Thinking, Essentially. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. the sort of textbook um, phrases yeah. for that sort of thinking. Yeah. But your yeah. story is way better. I like that. No, yeah, like that's, yeah. And like, I, um, I think while I don't know that we've said that out loud a lot in South Bend, I think it's, um, it's often the way that our team sort of thinks about our project too. And like, I think one of the things that I love about that is like, if you, um, I guess if you remove the fence, um, it's going to force you to ask yourself re- whether you're really digging a great well. Right. And yeah, so like yeah. it really kind of raises the accountability in the community about maybe the integrity of what we're really becoming. If you surrender that other mechanism for like keeping people in. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of makes you get better, I think. Yeah. I suppose in a sense, then you're, you're really trusting that Jesus is enough that encountering Jesus, the person of Jesus is enough, you know, and that, um, I think that's good. That's a good thing. Obviously, if you're, if you're, if you're relying on Christ himself to reveal himself to the people and, um, for that to be the sustaining energy in a community feels like right to me. Yeah. yeah. I love that, man. That's great. Um, so somewhere along the way, a couple of things happen. Yeah. Uh, one is you guys land in this beautiful historic, uh, building in the heart of a really, um, peculiar, beautiful neighborhood yep. in Belfast. Tell us a little bit about 101 Donegal street. I have that right. Right. 101. Yeah. yeah 101 like, Donegal street. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about the building in the, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the neighborhood is this, this really eclectic neighborhood. Um, I suppose Belfast is split up into these different quarters. Um, and so we're right in the cathedral quarter. We're like 100 yards up from Belfast's main cathedral, St. Anne's, um, on our left. And then on the right up the, up the hill, there's the largest Catholic church, um, St. Patrick's and the, the road down Donegal street itself was like this main gateway, this main entrance way into the city. Quick clarity for people who are confused. Yeah. The cathedral's a Protestant cathedral. Yes, yeah. that's right. Back yeah. home, I think people hear cathedral and they often just think, Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, St. Anne's, yeah, is an Anglican cathedral. Um, but yeah, so the street's like a main, a main entranceway. Yeah, uh, and historically, it was actually like the the gates to the city. Um, so I've been told. Um, uh, I just remember like um, a couple of years before we were looking for a church building to meet in. To be honest, because like when you're starting a church, you sort of need to figure out like where you're going to gather, and sometimes the the living room quickly runs out yeah. um, of space or it's practically not possible maybe to sustain that or the pizza shop, you know, the music venues, the floors were just too sticky with beer every, <laughs> every Sunday morning. And that wasn't really conducive to our kids ministries being full, you know, serve well or whatever. So we were like, we need it. We, we really could do with a, like a space that was going to serve us well in this next season. I think it was around um, 2012. Uh, if I'm, if I'm correct, you know, 2012. And so, yeah, we, we, uh, I remember we were down at, um, uh, so so that, yes, this this uh, this building in 101 Donegal Street, I, I didn't actually know anything about it, but it's located in this very eclectic neighborhood that I've just been describing. But I remember as a church community, we were down like baptizing people in, um, uh, if people uh, know the Belfast area, they know down in like Crawfordsburn on the beach and we were baptizing people and there was a, there was an older, an old, older gentleman who came down um, to the baptisms and just at the end of um, our time on the beach, um, baptizing people, he he came up to um, us as leaders and and said, "Hey, um, my name's Tom. I, I've uh, you don't know me, but I've got a building. I wondered if you wanted it." 
and um i didn't i didn't know that either yeah i've heard that story that's amazing i suppose the thing like 18 months before that one of our leaders um uh, jillian she had actually had a dream um of us being given um the keys to the city um the keys to the gates of the city and then we found out that donegal street was the old gates of the city and then we had another like prophetic word we would call that you know from another friend of ours who said we were um that god was going to give us a two-story building with glass at the front in the heart of the city and that there would be this man of peace that would make it possible that was a full 18 months before i even knew that there was a church building yeah, in Donegal street yeah. other than the two i've mentioned yeah. so we're at the sea and we're baptizing some people and tom um, this uh, this man, he was a he was a minister of a congregational church that had been there for a couple hundred years, um, or been in existence for a couple hundred years, but been in that particular building for over a hundred years. Um, they, as a congregation, had decided to 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 close that particular congregation um, and to hopefully hand on a building to a younger church. And um, he was led to us and that was the beginning of our relationship with tom and also with donegal's 101 donegal street yeah so, so it's pretty it was pretty cool it's the, a stunning building man i like i remember the first time i was there it, it really is it's like it's just um the stained glass and that vaulted ceiling and the the history that you can feel like when you walk in yeah yeah just and it yeah. takes people it takes people by surprise as well because you walk in uh, off the street and you don't really walk into anything yeah, yeah, that yeah. looks particularly Im- impressive and then you find that there's this beautiful sanctuary space like yeah. up on the first floor yeah and um uh, it, it often just takes people by surprise like i remember it took me by surprise the first time i walked into it you know it's sort of like a little bit of a hidden gem um so we were just blown away that this sort of was an opportunity that was uh given to us it was a door that opened and we really sensed that um god's god's was god was leading us god's spirit was guiding us to to make this our our home our main gathering place as a community so yeah. ever since then we've we've been gathering there every sunday and we, we call it our home and in a sense it's nearly like informed the the mission of um of our church in a sense um just being in that particular part of the city and trying to um figure out how we might best practice the way of jesus yeah. in that particular place you know at this particular time so yeah it's really been like a significant part of our story so it's not just um not just that there's the catholic church and saint anne's uh kind of flanking you but it's kind of like a club district and then right around the corner you've got like the mac theater it's kind of a cultural district is that fair yeah um cultural very creative yeah. like so like the art college is around the corner yeah. um at the university of ulster and then you've got like um there's like a, like a lot of businesses around there um you've got the the irish news which is a, uh, a newspaper right beside us and the belfast telegraph was the other newspaper it, it used to be it's the, the main building for it was across the road so there's the press yeah, yeah um uh there's clubs there's coffee shops there's restaurants there's um there's the university um there's businesses um it's sort of like this little like um hot pot of all sorts of different things mixed in mm-hmm so um so the church kind of comes together 2010 yep you're there sort of from the beginning as sort of a part of the community and yep um and then how long ago um you sort of moved into a leadership role for the whole thing uh what is that is that f- uh, formally two or three years ago but really you were functioning yeah. that way for yeah. before then i think around, i think when the when i was out with you in in south bend when yeah. i was visiting like 2017 if i'm right sounds right um 
I uh, I found my my main role um actually in the early days and um, was drawn into uh, like the core team um at the church and uh, but my, I suppose one of my like primary ways of, of serving the church is through like leading worship and songwriting and, and that's the way I I serve the church and continue to do so to this day. But yeah, in twenty seventeen, some leadership transition. I ended up um feeling led to step into the team leader role and to lead the lead this brilliant. I'm really gifted um, team that help lead the whole community. So that was like a new, I suppose, a new challenge, a new opportunity for me a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. So I've been trying to surround myself with really inspiring uh, church leaders <laughs> and learn from them. That's why you listen Much to like Mason Jiller. <laughs> <laughs> My alter ego. Jason Miller. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's why you listened to Luke and then all you got was me. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry about exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I must have missed. You were like the week after Andy Stanley <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah. That's probably right. Yeah, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, I will say like that stuff so kind of had the privilege of, um, getting to know your community through a couple of trips and getting to know you and like, yeah, like sincerely Dave, like I love, uh, I love watching you lead your community. Um, I, I, I come home from Belfast, um, like really grateful and inspired just by kind of watching you be who you are in this place and watching your church be who your church is in, in this context. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously like really important ways that the story of Belfast is unique. And it, and it's really quite different from the story of like South Bend where we are, but there, there's this like overwhelming sense of affinity, I think, um, between a couple of cities who have like fairly painful pasts and who find themselves maybe in a period of, of renewal and kind of uh, fresh hopefulness, but at the same time, like an awareness that that renewal is not inevitable and that like we still have work to do to make our cities places where everybody can flourish and where everybody's safe and where everybody sort of has shared access to the life of the city and the, and, and their own dignity. Um, and then sort of finding our churches located in, in like physical locations that have history and, and connection to the city. Uh, I think a lot of that I think is why uh, on my side of things, I felt like a real like kindredness with you and, uh, with Redeemer. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, uh, take us into like a, a Sunday at Redeemer um, I, I'm crazy about your Sundays and they're, uh, they're, they're quite a bit different in some ways yep. from what you might walk into a lot of churches. Right. Mm. Um, if, if, if like, if you met someone in Belfast and they found out what you do and they said, tell me about your church today, um, whether it's Sunday or otherwise, like how, how would you begin to answer that question? Um, I think like the way we, <clears throat> the way we think about it, I suppose is, um, we, we just think about it in terms of tables and gardens so we think about um, the table being the primary gathering point of a, a home or a family, I suppose. And it's also um, obviously like got a lot of um, use in scripture, like the table. And obviously Jesus actually giving us as his followers a meal of bread and wine and, and his table, the Lord's table, the Eucharist. Um, but the table being that, of course, which is full of rich meaning, but also just the simplicity of the table just being this place where everyone can gather around it and find a place and um so like i suppose like are any points uh in our church uh, that are like gathering points like i just think of those as as tables yeah. you know whether it's on a sunday which is like a larger table just where we, we get together as one big family or whether it's like tables that are actually in homes like smaller groups like like by location in some part of the city or by like an interest group like we've got a a group that are um a group of creative people that gather and 
they've got a, a table group, you know, that they gather in. So any gathering points in the church, we think of that as practicing table. Yeah. You know? And you literally on Sunday, like we sit in tables on Sunday at Redeemer. We don't sit in rows, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So like, I suppose like early on, um, some of us leaders, particularly myself, I was thinking about the, um, even the way that we do do worship as well, but the whole geography of the space and what that communicates theologically about your, you know, your beliefs and your community and what you value. And um, so instead of like, yeah, doing these rows, I suppose, um, which are really, really helpful for lots of different events, but they communicate something that you're coming there and that you're coming to this thing called a service. And that thing's going to serve you and you're going to be served something and you're going to just take. And rather we think we like, to think, I suppose, of Sunday gatherings a little bit more like, like a potluck lunch where you sort of bring stuff to it, and um, it's like a gathering rather than a service. You're 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 gathering as family, and you you've got something to contribute, and, and in a sense, so we but also the the sit around tables, round tables, and chairs, and it communicates something of the sense of family, the sense that um, it's relaxed as well. But it sort of, yeah, it informs it informs a lot of who we are. It's more than just being comfortable, you know. Yeah. It's communicating, like, a, a core value of our church. Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah. Um, you guys have another... Uh, I don't I don't want to project my our language on yeah. you guys. I was going to say a mantra. Um, but uh, gardens, not walls. Make gardens, not walls. Do I yeah, build, right? build build gardens, gardens. not walls. Yeah, um, I saw that, like, plastered on your wall yeah. uh, inside the space there, right? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so I mean, talked about tables, and then I suppose like this other primary activity of the church, or way we think about it, is through gardens, and just that idea that um, we're like we're placed in a particular time and place in a city to um, to bring life to the city. Anytime we think of bringing life, we think of gardens. Gardens flourish. Gardens blossom. I know you guys have a mantra that's connected to this type of thinking as well, which is um, I think you describe that as transient fuse are thinking as a, a with uh, an ecological mi- imagination um and yeah gardens are places of life they're places where things grow they're um, places they're a sanctuary space restful space um where there's color where there's life where there's flourishing um and so i suppose building gardens is this metaphor of like anything we come into contact with as a community and we would hope that that's like building a garden in our city um and uh obviously then contrasting that with walls so to build gardens not walls is contrasting that particularly in belfast because i've already said you know belfast has got these huge walls that are they're called peace walls but um they're actually built you know in the middle of communities to, to in a sense to separate communities you know and um some of those walls have come down through the political process but um some of them still stand um and i suppose that that has an extra meaning then like on our on this value or this mantra of um bill gardens not walls um but also that um idea of walls is i think universal you know like we can build walls between anyone you know um anyone maybe who's different from us or thinks differently or any kind of division or separation i suppose the idea is that instead of that we cultivate spaces that people can find that they can come together and commune and have life and experience life and and so that's really where that comes from yeah yeah i love that man um speaking of walls i know like you 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 already told me like it's kind of exhausting around here thinking about brexit yes Um, but i know that like for maybe people from other places who want to 
understand the context of your church's life and mm. um, and the particular sort of consequence of what it is to be a church um, in, in your part of the world. Um, can, can you help us just like briefly understand the way that the Brexit conversation can sort of maybe create some fresh insecurity uh, like here in Northern Ireland and like how that might affect the current status quo? Yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, anyone who's listening to this um, has to know, you know, like that, well, one, like Redeemer, our community, we, we don't have the, any of this down, like we're just figuring this out and and particularly me, you know, in terms of whether it's um, uh, church leadership, church community, or even like just the reflections on on our city and the politics even, um, you know, I know a little bit about that and I'm, I'm giving my best shot at it today, but like we're still just, you know, um, doing our best with that. I also know that you guys in the States have got the politics thing all worked out as well so like we have yeah we have, we have democracy nailed in yeah the US right now and then we're killing it so like you must look over at us and think you guys are a mess <laughs> no this is another way that yeah. we're like we're kindred man yeah, yeah, yeah um but obviously yeah like i'm sure maybe brexit is just about reached like your shores just in between different things going on in your own news cycle but yeah, yeah it's a I big think, it's a big deal i think a lot of people are aware of it you're aware of it but maybe not maybe totally understanding the, the implications from northern yeah. ireland and again i'm just someone here who's you know uh, i wouldn't call myself any kind of expert on this at all but i suppose my basic understanding of that is just i mean it's very simple obviously we had a referendum a few years ago um to vote whether we um the united kingdom wanted to remain a part of the European Union, or to leave the European Union, and um, uh, it was a big surprise actually in the end that the overwhelming vote was to actually leave the European Union, which was just massive. And we spent the last few years trying to figure out what that, how we could actually do that, and it's still really uncertain to this day. Um, um, this year, hopefully, there will be some kind of resolution to that, but there's obviously lots of different opinions about how that might go. Um, the unique thing about that is that it just has these ramifications for Northern Ireland um, and Ireland. And I suppose the main the main thing around that is that um, uh, with our past like in mind, when you think about the troubles and everything else, um, We've enjoyed, I suppose, in a sense, in this peacetime in Northern Ireland, this frictionless, no border between Northern Ireland, which is a part of the United Kingdom, and the Republic of Ireland, which is um, its own state. And um, that's brilliant in our relationship with the Republic of Ireland. And Northern Ireland has been, like, building and stronger. But obviously, if there was to be, if we were to leave the European Union, then there, there's a conversation around whether we would need to build a physical wall, I suppose, or some kind of border. And obviously that would raise the tensions here um, uh, but, uh, politically, you know, that would cause a lot of problems and potentially throw us back from this peace that we've been enjoying, this relative peace to um, perhaps back into um, cycles of, of, of violence and disturbance again. And so no one wants to do that. Um, but this massive deal for the United Kingdom has this really particular consequence just right here um, in northern ireland yeah. um, which is playing out in all different sorts of ways yeah uh, how are you thinking about um so this is also sort of revisiting some conversations that you and i've had here but um we, we know we both are part of communities that 
really care about peace um, mm. in a really like a full-blooded sense of that word not just the absence of violence right but the flourishing of, re of relationships and mm -hmm. and belonging especially across difference um, you know neither of our communities like gets to write the laws or you know directly drive major like public policy or whatever but we have our little part to play I think and um, when you picture, when you think about the current uh, sort of life of Belfast and your country, and then you kind of think forward a little bit to the different possibilities, and then you think about your church in the middle of all that, um, what, like what, what would be your hope for Redeemer's part in uh, cultivating peace in a place that um, might fear that that peace could be lost? Like how do, when you think maybe, the, let's say the next five years, and you just think of Redeemer's um, unique sort of location and calling and heartbeat and the ways that God has um, gifted Redeemer and even the story that she's lived out so far and you kind of take all that and you look forward to just the next few years like not that you have like a, a strategic plan or if you do that's great but like I just wonder are there any impulses or pictures that you have in mind that you hope would be um, lived out of your community in light of that potential difficulty yeah, I mean, like, I, like I know you guys in in South Bend, for example, you have this mantra called "Everyone an Icon," and I suppose that's, um, you know, we would never like articulated it maybe in that way. Like, it's a it's a great saying. And did you come up with that? Did you? Um, uh, Dan on my team, I think I had everyone is an icon, and Dan everyone made it way icon. better with everyone an icon. Everyone an icon. Yeah, 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 it's great. And I should say, I might have come up with a phrase with Dan, but it's certainly a. Uh, a community effort you know what I mean like it yeah it's a few words that hopefully captured something that I didn't come up with but yeah but I suppose the simple idea behind that is that, that every human being is is made in the image of the divine everyone is made in the image of 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 God like um um little icons of of the divine and um even just as a starting point of Christian theology like that's like like a massive a massive massive reality a massive truth a massive a massive thing to grasp because um like a lot of the problems we've been talking about like brexit or i mean some of the politics that you're experiencing in the united states um often comes from just um like a complete either either some kind of like ignorance like you don't you, of, of not knowing the other like uh, people that are different from you and then that distance creating this um temptation i suppose the caricature people people that are different from you in a certain way but the 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 the, the mantra that everyone an icon the the this value that everyone is is made in the image of god like that is obviously it's something that we like, like formed a lot of the teaching in the early days of redeemer and um and it's it's a uh, it's it's massive when we think about belfast because of these different identities that people have um, not just the Protestant and Catholic identities, but identities around sexuality, identities around politics, identities um, around, around ethnicity or um, um, what part of the world that you're from. Um, uh, even identities within that, you know, whether you're like a church person or an evangelical or whether you're like a post-evangelical or post-whatever, you know, whatever identity that you like sort of label yourself or sometimes maybe other people can can label you like those are obviously um they have the potential i suppose to divide or the potential to 
come between us and um but when we start with the image that everyone has made it everyone icon everyone's made in the image of god it, it it helps us to begin to to see dignity and worth in in everyone and i suppose um you know that's where we, i suppose we all need to to begin when we're thinking about pastoring communities or leading communities or being part of communities of faith is to see dignity and worth in everyone we we run this like um uh like this free cinema once a month called family matinee it's like part of the open cinema franchise like a it's just like this idea that you can like open the doors of your building and, and run a cinema and invite everyone to come i think it, it it began really ministering to those that were like like homeless in the society when i say like minister i mean this wasn't nearly a particularly like christian thing but we thought this sounds very christian the idea that you would so they didn't have to be like a christian movie or like no a, no no not at it all it wasn't bait for them to stick around and like hear a sermon not at all and i suppose i'm talking about this i'm just thinking about you know ways that we are trying to practice restoring dignity and like the arts are like so that we, we we noticed like in our city that there's a lot of good being done and there's still an awful lot to do though you know when it comes to defeating the poor and to, to clothing those without and um there's a lot of need and we are really interested in playing our small part alongside some amazing ministries and churches and doing that but i remember um us uh there was uh, one of one of our guys in our t- on our team like he had just had this real passion for the homeless community and um, and the whole vision behind open cinema was um, really that like the arts was this cultural good that was really um, not accessible for the poor and the homeless mm-hmm. in our society. Um, like, um, and, and it was like trying to put that, thinking about that through the lens of everyone, an icon, everyone made in the image of God, everyone, um, uh, for everyone who's made in the image of God having dignity and worth. I felt well, well. How could we, you know, how could we restore dignity and worth and and practice that and um, running this free open cinema once a month, a place where people could come and find um, a, a warm welcome and get to experience a movie, get to experience some um, time out from the rest of their day, whether were whatever they were doing, get to meet someone, get to find out some about services that might help them, like just the whole this whole like, experience that but really all centered around like watching a movie. Um, so we started that and that's actually evolved um, over the years to become this this family cinema too. We now do open that up to, to families across our city and a lot of those families are from like asylum seekers or refugees here that have come from other places. And um, I remember there's a story recently I heard just of one particular family saying that's a that they well, they came to family man they and they 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 were in our building and they were watching the movie and they communicated to one of the one of the leaders running that that they found that this place was one of the like the safest places in the city that oh, they'd wow. experienced to date yeah. and it's a very very simple story um but i suppose just just the act of opening your doors and facilitating a space where people could come um, and, and enjoy a cinema was just like the very basic start of practicing this idea of restoring dignity and worth to the other and seeing the divine image in the other um uh, and there, there i mean there there's a there's dozens of ways that we could obviously do that and and you know make impact in our city and we would love to do that but that's just one of the ways that we're trying to we're trying to find our space and and meet the needs of people that have need in our city and and remind them that they are indeed 
of worth and value and then we see them yeah i love that man like i i love that um and that like like that sounds just like the uh, redeemer that i know and like the people from redeemer that i know um just that really rampant sort of generosity and hospitality and um and simplicity like uh, i think that's another way that our communities sort of feel kindred um I think there's definitely some complex problems that call for some sophisticated plans, but I also feel like both of our communities also sense like a, a call to a certain kind of simplicity in the ways that we like live out who we are. And, uh, that that's really resonant as you talk about that. Yeah, dude. Um, well, uh, I, I feel like I could talk uh, for a long time with you, but, um, I feel like I've also like used you up for like four days here. <laughs> I feel uh, like we've used you up for four days. No, no, it's been it's like been you've great. been working hard over here. It's uh, it's been it's been a treat, man. Like I really uh, coming over here is really special to me. So thanks for letting me uh, come back. Um, it's been great to have you. It's let's go really here. Uh, two or three books, voices, messages, or big ideas that have you lit up right now. Wow, two or three books or was that, was that? Uh, books, albums, voices, messages, or big ideas wow. that just have you like happy to be a human being right now. There's this amazing idea that I heard on Saturday, which is fields, not factories. I'm gonna make you give us another cheap. one. I'm gonna, okay, now it's three or four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, well, I, I gotta really think about that. Um, uh, Who'd you play for me in the car today? Uh, Dan C, Daniel C. Clark. Yeah, I was playing some local music for you today. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, some David C. Clemens we played David today C. on the car, Clemens. which, yeah, yeah, is a great artist from Belfast. That's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, we really enjoyed that on the way up. Yeah, we did. You were sharing some music too on the way up. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one asking the you're, questions. You're the end of here. We played some carp. As awesome. in uh, the, uh, the latest project from Eric Lee Carpenter. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah never going to yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. 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 What else? What else has you inspired? Um, I was well. I was recently. I like. I love. I like the travel. I love the travel with my wife. We were recently in Portugal and Lisbon. Um, we caught like the Mumford and Sons in in concert. That oh, was cool. Come on. Like they put on a really great show. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like I nearly and nearly embarrassed myself in the streets of Lisbon because I really I swore like I saw Marcus Mumford and Kerry Mulligan just walking up the streets. <laughs> Did you run in Lisbon? After? I ran after them. I was like, Beth, come on, let's go, let's get a selfie. You know, we can. You know, that's definitely them, like hundred percent, like the two of them. And then when I got close, the guy took off his sunglasses. He realized it really was not Marcus <laughs> Mumford or Kerry Mulligan. Uh, I think he was thinking. I he was, he was probably looking a little bit suspicious. Like, why is this like guy like following me? <laughs> You know, it's like a bit, looked a bit suspicious, um, but we had a really great time in Lisbon, yeah, and we, uh, yeah, we really enjoyed the gig, so that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose uh, big ideas. I'm trying to think. We've just finished the like a teaching series in the Beatitudes. We've been teaching the way of Jesus through his teaching the teachings in the Beatitudes, and um, just just really enjoyed like um, I suppose teaching that in Redeemer, particularly like. Um, just the way that there's this like retranslation of the Beatitudes that like Brian Zand, who's a pastor in the States, has done like a retranslation of that in his own words. We've been using some of that to help, um, you know, communicate just the the heart of those verses, those teachings of Jesus, which has been great. And it's really like brought the Beatitudes to life in yeah. a way that perhaps we've never we've never experienced before. So that's been something like really recently and re really cool. Any uh, any like particular perspective shift? for you on 
those words from Jesus, like through this process of teaching it or reading Zahn's translation or whatever? Yeah, so there's this um, beatitude. Um, uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And um, when I was teaching that, um, looked into that and realized like, like that word um, in the Greek, you know, for the word righteousness, you know, it actually can be translated because I, I like the word righteousness for me, like it has this, these connotations, you know, I sort of think of like personal holiness, personal righteousness, like making yourself right before God in that sense and living a holy life. But like that word actually can be translated as justice. And um, like, so it's nearly like completely changes the whole yeah. meaning of that beatitude. It's like blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice for they shall be filled which is just like this really interesting, it's a, it's a really interesting way to look at that. And Brian Zahn, he translates that as, blessed are those who ache for the world to be made right. For them, the government of God is a dream come true. Huh. And I just love the way that wow. that um, it's beautiful. sounded and just the, the angle of that tick on it. And um, I just think it's it's interesting because like, yeah, when we think of like the injustices in the world and there, there, are, there are so many, you know, the fact that 16% of the world lives on, well, like on, um, less than a dollar a day or like 80% of the world lives on less than $10 a day. You know, they're just the great inequality um, in the world and all the world's issues. Um, there is this great, there are great injustices, but there is this promise for those who follow Jesus that um, not only like should we, should we hunger and thirst for justice, but in fact that if you do that, you'll be filled. Like there's like a satisfaction that comes. There's some kind of resolution like if you're if, if you follow that way of jesus to, to care to ache for the world to be made right um that 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 it's like a dream come true you know and that there's this there's this sense that god's partnering with you and that then actually in the end will be will be made new like he's he's involved in the restoration of all things and so just the idea that yeah righteousness sort of meant justice as well can be translated that and also the idea that we can be filled when we are people that, that do indeed ache for the world to be made right yeah, is like, was just like a really interesting insight into that beatitude um, that I find um, really inspiring. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. I relate very much that like, there's like a whole lot of ways that the faith journey at one point felt like it was sort of a personal piety journey, which is not to say that personal transformation isn't part of it not at all but just to say that there i think there came a point for me where that just felt too small yeah like it's this both and like it's yeah. like like you can't really separate out like worship and justice yeah you know like there's like in amos god says you know you know let justice roll like a mighty river like righteousness like a uh like like like, like flow like streams of righteousness like um like righteousness and justice are connected the ideas of worship and justice are these two huge themes, like you know, both you know, two sides of the same coin. And so, for us, like to to care about like our own personal integrity or wholeness, you know, like like William Paul Young says, like wholeness is when like the way of our being matches the truth of our being. Oh wow! Like when like so like if we are indeed like image bearers of God, if we are indeed icons of God, but yeah, we sort of don't always feel like the reality is we're living into that like we're like images of the divine like there's just some kind of like fading that has happened some kind of 
brokenness that has happened in our humanity, um, that that image has been shattered and distorted in some way. Like, um, there's like a disconnect, but like William Paul Young, he says like wholeness is when like the identity of who you are, like the truth of who you are matches like the way of your being. So the, the truth of your being matches the way of your being, like that integrity gap is completely closed. Yes. And that's wholeness. Yeah. And like essentially wow. like it's connecting these two ideas of your own personal walk, your own personal journey, your own your own personal integrity with um your identity and the way that you are. Connecting that then with like your way in the world and how you engage with your world around you. Um like it all matters. Yes. You know? Yes. Um and uh yeah sometimes we just separate that out don't we and, you know, we just think that it's all about just our own personal holiness before God. Yeah. Um, other people think it's nothing to do with that. And it's all just about the social justice and action in the world. And they forget like the devotion to Jesus element to it and the worship element to it and the personal connection to Jesus element. Um, but actually, if we can like stay tethered to Christ, like the well at the very center of our faith, then we can like engage the world in a really, you know, radically prophetic beautiful and imaginative way that actually helps put it back together you know yeah preach dave preach man i don't know what to say now (laughs) that's great man uh that's beautiful man it was rambling at the end there no it wasn't no it wasn't um so most of the time people listening to our podcast are listening to a sermon from our gatherings and that usually ends with a like a benediction or a you know a blessing sometimes it's just grace and peace be with you uh sometimes it's a little more robust than that um, and so this, you know, would probably both be Sop and City Church people, but also sort of our podcast family listening wherever they're listening. Uh, I didn't, I should have warned you about this, but I didn't. Um, but what do you think about giving us a blessing to wrap this up? Yeah, I would love to. And why don't I read like, um, just this little short prayer called St. Patrick's Breastplate. So St. Patrick being the saint, patron saint of Ireland. I could yeah. just read that. Love it. Um, it says this, Christ with me, Christ before me christ behind me christ in me christ beneath me christ above me christ on my right christ on my left christ when i lie down christ when i sit down christ when i arise christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me christ in every eye that sees me christ in every ear that hears me amen amen Amen. Amen. Love it. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, Jason.